You are listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. Though located in the heart of the Silicon Valley, you will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival preaching from the pulpit of North Valley Baptist Church. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. Take your Bible, Romans chapter number 8, please. Romans chapter number 8. And I've been praying about what God would have for us for this service uh, tonight and what God would want me to preach. And I believe this is the truth. And here's what I think. I don't know if it'll be a great message, but I know it's a great truth. And it'll be a help to us. I think it'll change our perspective if we can get a grip and a grasp on the truth tonight. I want you to look with me. Romans chapter number 8, and we'll begin reading in verse number 16. And we'll read down through verse number 19. If you're able to stand, would you stand with me and stretch just a moment? And we won't be long. We'll get out on time as we always do. But here, Romans chapter number 8, verse number 16. I want you to see what the Bible says. The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If so be that we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified together. For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. I want you to notice what the Apostle Paul tells to these Roman Christians so many years ago in verse number 18. He says, For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time, he's not saying if there's suffering, he's saying there is suffering. But the suffering that is can't be compared with the glory that's coming. Suffering has a time stamp. Suffering has an expiration date. But there's something that's coming that has no expiration date. What he's saying is, what you're under, you're going to get over it one day. Here's what pastoring is, I think. Here's what it is. Pastoring is God putting on a man's heart to say, I want to carry my own burdens, my own trials, my own problems. But I also want to carry his problems and her problems, and their problems. And if pastor was up here, he would say, this room is filled with people, so that means this room is filled with suffering. It's filled with problems. But I want to try to encourage you tonight and say, whatever you're under, you'll get over it one day. Let's pray. God, I pray for your help tonight. I pray you'd encourage our church family with this truth. Thank you that this is not the best that we have to look forward to. I pray that you'd meet with us now in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Not far from where I grew up, there was a Civil War battle that took place. It wasn't a major battle, but there was a little skirmish during the Civil War. And it was not too far from where my grandfather's house is. And I remember growing up that my dad had some Civil War bullets, and uh, we still have those bullets now at our home. And those bullets were dug up out of the ground where that Civil War battle took place. I grew up playing on that field. We play football there and things. And honestly, if you looked at that field, you'd have no idea that a battle had ever taken place there. Now, it had. There'd been men shot and wounded. Blood had been shed on that field. But here's what happened. Time took care of it all. And after the years rolled by and after the days went past, it was not obvious any longer a battle had ever taken place. Tonight, this message is for that one who can't sleep at night. It's for that one who's facing a decision about their job. It's for that one who's battling a disease in their body. It's for that one that has questions about the future. It's for that one who's suffering or sorrowing because of a decision 
that they've made. I want to be an encouragement to you tonight and remind you that one day you're going to get over whatever it is that you're under. The book of Romans was penned by the Apostle Paul about 25 years after he got saved. What I like about that is Paul, a quarter of a century after his salvation, is still fervent about serving God. Isn't that amazing? The same grace that got him in was the same grace that keep, kept him in it. I like that. You might be here tonight thinking, you know what, it's about time to stop or slack off or I'm going to find an exit ramp of service. But can I say, Paul wasn't that way. Paul was still stirred up and sold out about serving God. The grace that got him in was the grace that kept him going. And I think that same grace is sufficient for you and I tonight. As you study the book of Romans, you'll find two things distinctly. You'll see Paul's desire and his devotion to the Christians in Rome. But you'll also find a systematic layout of New Testament theology. Within the 16 chapters of the book of Romans, we find Paul laying out a dissertation on faith and righteousness and justification. And the Holy Ghost of God guides the pen of Paul, and he lays a firm gospel foundation for the New Testament church. You study out the book of Romans and we learn the gospel is by grace through faith plus nothing and minus nothing. Any man or any movement or any message that adds any kind of works to the gospel is preaching a false gospel. The gospel is the salvation of Jesus Christ by grace through faith. The book of Romans is a great book. And chapter 8 is the great chapter of the book of Romans. You study out these 39 verses. And these verses are packed with rich doctrine and precious truths. We've reached the pinnacle of the book of Romans when you come to Romans chapter number 8. I've been studying this chapter and probably you'll spend the next few weeks in this chapter. And you'll find this chapter is a chapter of edification. It's a chapter of exhortation, and it's a chapter of encouragement. Paul's writing to a church that has been cast in the furnace of persecution. Romans says it all. This church is trying to serve the Lord in the city of Rome. Rome is the seat of Satanism. It's the center of the eye of the storm for godlessness. Rome is no friend to the Christian, and Rome is no friend to Christ. You study your Bible, and it's Rome that took Jesus to court. It's Rome that beat him so cruelly. It's Rome that nailed him to a cross. It's Rome that took him captive in that same city that was so anti the Savior is also anti the saint that is trying to serve God in that city. You study out history and those Roman Christians were no strangers to prison. They were no strangers to the arena. They knew what it was to be but a step from death. Every day they were threatened. Every day they were tempted. It's like the song that says tempted and tried. We're off made to wonder why it should be thus all the day long. This Christ is no stranger to suffering. They knew exactly what it was. And let me stop and say that's just how life is. Suffering is a part of this world as much as oxygen is part of the atmosphere. Suffering is going to roll in and out of our lives like the waves of the sea that crash upon the shore. And in between the day that you're born and the day that you die, all of us are going to have to wade through the waters of suffering. I want you to consider this 
this church in Rome. This Roman church is a starting church. It's a young church. So much so, I don't even know if they had a pastor per se. He's not mentioned in the letter. This church is a scriptural church trying to live a life that pleases God. This church is a steadfast church. Their faith is spoken of throughout the world. But this church is a suffering church. Jesus told us that in this world, we're going to have tribulation. Paul said that all that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. And listen, salvation will keep us from the fires of hell, but salvation does not exempt us from the heat of suffering. I know sometimes we think because of those prosperity preachers on TV that if you pray a prayer at an altar or if you buy a vial of holy water or if you rub a prayer cloth, you'll never have any trouble, any trial or any tribulation, but that's just simply not Bible. If you study your Bible, you'll find out suffering is a part of the Christian life. We're just a pilgrim and a stranger passing through enemy territory. You study the example of Scripture and we find suffering in the life of Jacob. We find suffering in the life of Joseph. We find suffering in the life of Joshua. We find suffering in the life of Job. And we see suffering in the life of Jesus. But I want you to know something. Though this letter is a letter to a church that is suffering, this eighth chapter is a chapter of encouragement to a church that's in the midst of suffering. Because here's what he says. He said, for I reckon, he said, I reckon, I reckon that the sorrow, that the problem, that the trial, that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. That word reckon means to compare. So Paul is saying, I think we ought to just slow down a minute and let's compare what you're going through to what's coming your way. Let's compare to what you're facing to what's coming down the road. Let's compare to what you're, what you're under to what you're going to get over there. Let's compare it for a minute. I know you're facing Nero. I know he's burning Christians at the stake. I understand you're being tossed in the arena. I know that you're hiding out in the catacombs. I understand that you're threatened every day. But when you take your suffering and you escort it out and then you reach over yonder and grab the glory that's coming and walk it out and you stand the glory on the way to the suffering of today, can I say that that suffering cannot measure up? It cannot compare. It cannot stand to the glory that waits you and I in the future. Here's what it's saying. I know you're feeling the weight of it. I know it's bearing down. I know it's heavy on your shoulders, but one of these days the burden will lift. The trial will be over. The valley gives way to victory and suffering yields to glory. What you're under can't compare to what's waiting for you over on the other side. I know you sit here tonight and you smile and you shout and you sing and you might kneel at an altar and you play an instrument, you serve and we can't see it, but you feel it. And you're under it right now. You're under it because of sin. You're under it because of Satan. You're under it because of society. You're under it because of situations in your life. You're under it because of a storm you find yourself in and you feel the pressure. And I know that when you're under it, you think it's always going to be that way. But I'm here to tell you on the authority of the Bible, it is not always going to be that way. Oh, I know you're under it and it feels like that's the way it's always going to be. But can I say the way things are isn't the way things are always going to be. Every problem has an expiration date. No burden has eternal life. 
Noah, 120 years, but Noah got over the burden he was under. David facing Goliath, but when he got over the burden he was under. Job broken because of his family, but read the end of the book. Job got over the burden that he was under. Naomi bitter and bankrupt, but you read the rest of Ruth and you find Naomi got over the bitterness she was under. Peter backslid, made a mistake, but you'll find out God used him. He got over the blunder that he was under. You go to Calvary, and yes, there's a lot of suffering on that cross, and yes, there's a tomb, but there's also a tomb that was emptied that yielded the resurrection and that's just the business our God is in. God goes from gloom to glory. He goes from darkness to light. He goes from death to life and it might be hard today and it might be heavy today but here's my challenge to his church. Get a longer look about your life. Don't live in time. Live in eternity. This is just a blink of an eye. This is just a flea hopping on the tail of forever. This will all be over by and by. There's a better land. There's a better country. There's a new song in a new place and there's no sorrow over there. I think about how good heaven's going to be. Heaven's going to be good because of what's there, but it's going to be pretty good because of what's not there. There's not going to be any sorrow there. There won't be any scars there. There won't be any sickness there. There won't be any sin there. There won't be any Satan there. There won't be any division there. There won't be any disease there. There'll be no divorce over there. There'll be no depression over there. There'll be no heartache over there. There'll be no heaviness over there. There'll be no haunting trouble over there. There'll be no sleepless nights over there. There'll be no tissues over there. There'll be no tears over there. You say heaven's going to be good? Yeah, because of what's not there. It's pretty good because of what is there. Thank God there's perfect love there. There's perfect peace there. There's perfect joy over there. There's eternal life over there. There's the presence of God over there. There's the lamb that lights the city over there. You say, but I'm under it. I understand we're all under it, but one day you'll get over whatever you're under. Get a longer look. Set your affections on things above and not on things on this earth. Burden gives way to blessing and trial gives way to triumph and the load lifts and the storm subsides and the darkness disappears and suffering gives way to glory. Psalm 30 and verse number 5. Weeping may endure for a night. Maybe it won't but maybe it will but the longest it can endure is a night. And joy cometh in the morning. Every winter yields to spring, and every night births a day, and all the winds have a calm. Jesus said, your sorrow shall be turned into joy. D.L. Moody used to tell the illustration of a, of a poor shut-in woman that lived in just a dilapidated flat on the third floor of a building. And a woman went to go visit her and took a, a wealthy lady with her. And that wealthy lady couldn't believe the squalor that that woman lived in. They went to that house and she said, I can't believe she lives like this. What a filthy place. And that woman said, it's nicer higher up. It's better higher up. And they got on the elevator and they went up a little bit and they got up to that third floor and she stepped in and thought, it's a little bit better, but it's still not that nice. They walked into that little shut-in woman's house and she laid in her bed. I mean, just invalid there in the bed. And she laid there in that poor little bed with those tattered old sheets. And she said, I don't see how you can live like this. So that woman, I mean, in these conditions, and that little woman looked at her and said, because I know it's going to be better higher up. And can I say tonight, that's the truth for you and I. This is going to be better higher up. I know it feels like when you're in it, you're always going to be in it. But heaven's going to handle it all. I, pro I promise you, a million years from now, when you're staring Jesus face to feet, worshiping around his throne, you're not going to worry about the bill you can't pay. You're not going to worry about the ache in your body. You're not going to worry about some political candidate. You're not going 
going to worry about wearing a mask to the store. You're not going to worry about a financial reversal. You're not going to worry about a problem in your home. You're not going to be burdened about that prodigal child. Heaven is going to handle it all. He said, let's reckon for a minute. He said, let's march it out and compare. Let's just march it out and we'll weigh them with each other. Let's compare that temporal with the eternal. Let's compare that finite to that infinite. Let's compare that now for that forever. Let's compare that portion to the whole. Let's compare the measurable with the immeasurable. Abraham looked for a city that kept him going. And I'm convinced. People say, well, you're so heavenly or minded, you can't do any earthly good. I only, honestly think you're not going to do any earthly good until you get more heavenly minded. In fact, I think it'd help us a lot as we handle the trials and troubles of life if we we're just a little bit more heavenly minded. Heaven's going to handle it all. Here's what Paul said about heaven. Paul got to go up to heaven. He saw things that weren't lawful to be uttered. Isn't it amazing? Sometimes God will give you something that's not for anybody else, just for you. I love those moments when God, pastors preach on in chapel, when God speaks to me and he gives me something not for you or not for anybody else, it's just for me. I like it when he gives me something that's for everybody. That's a blessing when you're a preacher especially. But Paul got to see things he wasn't supposed to. So here's how Paul described what heaven's going to be like. Far better. He said, man, I, I could use a hundred words to describe the beauty of that city. I could go deep. I could go wide. I could go high. I could go long. He said, I could go for an hour and preach an eloquent sermon. And I could exegete everything I know about that place. But here's what I'd like to call it far better. So here's what he's saying. You take the best you've ever seen. You take the most beautiful thing you've ever seen. You take the, the greatest thing you've ever heard and compare it to Far better. Far better. Far better. Not just a little bit better, but a lot better, Rob. Not just, not just a tiny bit better. Not just a scotch better. I mean, I'm talking about a lot better. So down here, you hear sirens. You don't hear them over there. Down here, we put flowers on graves. We don't have to do that over there. Down here, we sorrow because an empty seat at the table. We'll not have that kind of problem over there. Down here, we have canes and walkers and wheelchairs, but you don't find that over there. And I tell you, you might be under today, but one day you'll get over. You'll get over what you're under. I think about what he said in Titus. Paul said 2.13, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing. I think of what Paul said in Ephesians 5.25. I think we read it on Sunday morning. How he's going to present us a glorious church. What's that song? Oh, won't it be glory for me? For the longest time I had a little, not a little, but I had a cut on my finger. And uh, it just wouldn't go away because it's right there where the bend is in my finger. And so I, it was there for forever, just kept breaking back open. And the, the, today in the office, before I came over here, I just looked down at my hand. I had my hand on my pulpit there in my office and looked down. And you can't even tell there was a cut there. You know why? Time healed it. Time took care of it. That battlefield by our house, you can't even tell a battle took place. Time took care of it. And I know it might be hard while you're in the heat of it to understand this, but you'll understand it better by and by. And the sufferings of this present time, Paul said our light affliction, which is but for a moment, light affliction, being stoned, being shipwrecked, being robbed, being beaten, being cut off from your family, cast out of your society, it's just light affliction. What do you mean this light affliction? He said because it worketh in us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. I don't think there's anybody in heaven right now that's sitting there saying, yeah, but Jesus, remember that bill I couldn't pay? Yeah, but Lord, do you remember that time I had to sit in the emergency room for eight hours? No. Heaven's going to handle it all. One of these days, 
Right now in the temporal, His glory is revealed to us in our suffering. Grace, mercy, the ability to endure it, comfort. But one of these days, His glory is going to be revealed through us after suffering is all done. You say, what do you mean? The first resurrection. All those that we've put in the ground died in the Lord, their body. One of these days in the rapture when the Lord comes back, thank God those graves will open, those roses will bloom. Those that were dead in the Lord will rise up, will have a new body, praise the Lord, have a new life. And we'll be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And that's a glorious appearing of the Lord Jesus Christ will be with him. I just want to encourage you tonight. You're under it. Everybody is, to a degree or another. But one day you'll get over what you're under. So just press on. Don't quit. Don't be discouraged. If God can get you through it or get you to it, He'll get you through it. You can trust Him there. Let's pray tonight. That's my thought. Romans 8, verse number 18. Whatever you're under, thank God there'll be a day when it's all over. This world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. Maybe you need to come pray tonight. You have some struggles, some sorrow, some heaviness in your heart, some difficulties you're facing. And maybe you've looked at it that way and thought, you know what, I can't lift this. It's just, just, hey, hold on a little longer. One day you'll get over it. What you're under, you'll get over. Don't live in time, live in eternity. Get that long look. Set your affections on things above. Thank you for listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. For more information about our ministry or to find out how to get in contact with us, visit our website at nvbc.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.